0: Hey everybody, my guest today is Rabel. He's a singer-songwriter who's worked with artists including Pink, Bishop Briggs, Afrojack, and Marshmello. After years of singles and EPs and writing for other artists, Rabel is finally prepping his solo debut album. He just released a great new single with his close friend Kesha since I was young, and the video for that is out now. So here it is, episode 35 with Rabel. First of all, congratulations on the single and the video. Thank you. I saw the video this morning with you in your room. You did the best you could with quarantine. Yeah. But let's back up to the to the song itself. Where where did that song come from? Tell me about the writing process of putting that together.
1: Yeah. So that song, um, it was the first song I think I I wrote with uh, this producer called Stint, who's become a, a good friend and and Kesha and I and, and Stint went in and I had I had this idea of since I was young and I didn't know, I write a lot from usually melody first. It's kind of rare that I'll have a lyrical idea and, and go from there, but I had this idea and I wasn't quite sure what it was. And so we went in the studio that day and, and it was really cool of, it was one of those days where it kind of just our conversations turned into the lyrics and you know, Kesha is, one of my best friends and and she's been with me through through getting sober and you know she's visited me in treatment and we made bracelets and she gave me my first tattoo and it was a really cool experience to write a song about you know it's a very kind of introspective song and and it was a really kind of super cathartic and, and really nice life experience to get to write a song like that with a person who's actually been with you through that. You know, it's not like you're telling a stranger, like, well, and then I did this, and then I, and then I was like, went batshit crazy, and then I did that. It's like talking to her, she's like, I know I was there.
0: <laughs> it, it would, I think it would make the process more natural than totally. trying to force something. You made, you have two videos out, you had a lyric video that came out a, a while back, and now you have the, the, the final video with Kesha. The lyric video, you have some footage of you as a kid. So tell me about putting that together did you aim, were you like, I wanna have some some footage of me as a kid, but not too embarrassing? Like, where did you call that footage from? I got,
1: I actually, it was very funny because the first conversation with my manager about that was he was like, do you have any childhood footage? And I was like, no. And he's like, really? Um, and I didn't know that my brother had actually just turned a bunch of tapes into DVDs. And so we got the footage it was so cool for me to see cause I hadn't seen it. I don't, there's some footage in that that I have never seen or at least have no like adult memory of seeing. So it was really cool for me. I was like in tears with goosebumps, like texting my parents, like, thank you for loving me when I was a kid. And like, that was the really sweet um, thing, you know, how that turned out. And I didn't even know, like I had no recollection that I got a guitar or like Two microphones or that big keyboard, and my my favorite part I think is at the end when my when I'm holding this huge keyboard and my dad's like, "Steve, now you can learn to play the piano."
0: Yeah, I mean, you could have gotten a guitar that would have like really totally.
1: That would have been the best combo. Yeah, like just j- to consolidate.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you you grew up in like the the '90s, early 2000s, and that was kind of the peak of like the camcorder craze. So there was totally because I feel like nowadays people, when they take video, it's with their cell phone, and it's for a specific thing, like a specific event or a specific moment, rather than just like letting the tape fly. Which I kind of think I it, it kind of you know I can think that I think that kind of sucks that we we've, we've kind of lost the art of home movies.
1: It's very true, and I, to what you just said, I think that's a very good point. Like we, you know, you take a fifteen-second Instagram story rather than a twenty-minute, with the weird times where you're like, hold on, you know, hold on, hold this or hold that or what, you know, right. like the kind of candidness of it. I think has gone because now it's just very like, okay, pose, I'm taking a thing.
0: Right. You talked about uh, your relationship with Kesha. Tell me about, first of all, how did you meet Kesha? Like, what was your first interaction about?
1: Our first interaction was actually writing. Um, we got paired together with one of my best friends and, and now one of our mutual best friends, Drew Pearson, um, who's an incredible songwriter and producer. One of the first people I met out here. Um, so we, I mean, in many ways he feels like like half brother, half kind of mentor. He's so brilliant. And so we were writing in his backyard, like in a hammock. And that was the first time we met. And we ended up writing a song called um, Emotional that was, I think it was a bonus track um, on Rainbow somewhere. And we have a, have a tattoo. Oh. I don't want to get emotional. And she got one on her foot. But it was this song that was so, you know, you kind of, as a writer, you never know what to expect. I've always been a huge fan of hers. Um, and, and I've always respected so much that she, she always seems so unafraid and so bold um, and so loud for the LGBTQ community. And you know, meeting her for the first time, you're kind of like, I don't know, people say, don't meet your idols. And sometimes that's true, I found. <laughs> Where you meet someone, you're like, oh, no. She was just so, no ego, such a, a, such a, a unique creator. Um, and the fact that the first day we met, we wrote this song that talks about rehab and that talks about life and, and what she was going through. For me, that was just like, it just felt like we were like, we always joked that we were like siblings in another life or like married in another life or something, because just the immediate kind of comfort and, and trust that was in that first room, it's really rare. And like when I'm going into a room as an artist, it I know that that doesn't always happen. Sometimes you go in and you really want to write this one song, but it's, digging pretty deep and, and you can kind of feel out the room like, I don't know about these people. And so it was just a really, it was a really beautiful first day that kind of set up. Then we started writing a bunch and and started hanging out and kind of doing life together.
0: How would you describe your relationship now?
1: It, it kind of feels like sibling. I, you know, we, it's, yeah, it really just kind of feels like best friends or, or even like siblings, like like we have like the stupidest, most fun moments together. And then when shit hits the fan, you know, we can have each other's backs. And, and I just feel so lucky. She's such a, she's so loving and so thoughtful. And so um, the love for life, I, I feel like, and, and so many things about her have kind of shown me new You know, you meet a person, you make a new friend or or whatever it is, and you can start to kind of see when you see the world through their lens, you're kind of like, wow, like I never, I never thought of that before.
0: What makes you good creative partners in terms of songwriting?
1: For me, when I'm in the room as a writer, I, I believe it to be my job to get into the artist's world. Um, so when we're writing together, she is very much driving the car. And I love how she creates without fear. I mean, we've made songs that are so wild, but she's down to just commit like 100% to see, let's see, let's throw this at the wall, but let's really throw it at the wall. (laughs) Let's like wind up and really throw it at the wall, um, and give it a shot. And I think that she's really opened me up to not being so afraid of saying an idea that's maybe not good because you kind of never know. Um, and I'm, it's so easy in a room to be like, I might, I might have an idea. And it's like, she, she just comes in. And I remember when we wrote woman, she came in and she sat down she's like, I have this idea. I had it in the car. And we're like, okay, what is it? And she just screams, I'm a motherfucking woman. And we were like, that's it. That's incredible. And and it's so rare. It really is so rare. I find for someone to just walk in a room and here it is. Here's my idea. Um, And some of them are going to be that where we're just like, oh, my gosh. And she's made me want to create without fear and without kind of self judgment. Because a lot of times I think, I mean, there's the cliche of like, we are our own worst critic. And in a creative environment that's that's it cuts it off right there if you're if you're thinking if i'm thinking too much then that idea that i have that might be it might be too peculiar but it might also be the thing that makes the song and she is just so unafraid of pushing how far can we push we can always roll back
0: <laughs> you i mean this song it feels so radiant and jubilant Where did that joy come from that made this song possible?
1: (sighs) That came from a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. (laughs) That was, you know, I had been, I got sober the first time when I was 20. Uh, I actually got out of treatment on my 21st birthday, which is like hysterical. I had a, a strawberry lemonade, on my twenty first. Hardcore. Um very hardcore. I think I even had a sugar rim on it. It was at a mm-hmm. Mexican restaurant. You know, I I've I've always struggled with mental health and I'm a raging alcoholic, drug addict, compulsive shopper. <laughs> I You have an addictive personality. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And and so for me coming out, it was really it was really scary. And I remember I the closest I came to coming out um, was when I was in treatment and I was 20. Um, and I was in treatment in Texas. And it was very, it was very like Bible Marlboro man rehab.
0: Like we're going to, we're going to, we're going to cure you with Jesus kind of stuff.
1: Kind of like, like, I, like, I, like, like you you meet weekly with the chaplain, that kind of vibe uh-huh. and, and no shade to. The Christian faith, I mean, I grew up in it and I have found beautiful, beautiful, beautiful people and beautiful churches and beautiful cel- people that celebrate everyone and, and really fight for justice for everyone. And, um, but there is a lot of it that is very much not that. And so I did come out there and then I, I ended up coming out into a church that then kicked me and my then boyfriend out of the church and sent us on this you know, kind of chaotic, uh, very sad, uh, confusing kind of adventure. And I started drinking again in Hawaii at my best friend's wedding. And I knew like the first time I had a drink, I was like, oh, it's game on. I was hiding a bottle of Jack Daniels behind the TV in the hotel room so that my then different boyfriend wouldn't see it. And I was like, oh, God. And so getting sober the second time while I was in rehab, the second time I left a record label that I was at uh, a lot of shifts. And I was out then and, and kind of still uncomfortable with myself. And and, you know, I think when you when you're kind of forced to really look at yourself and sit still, uh, I remember when I was in treatment, the second time a therapist h- held me back after a group and was like, can you just sit still on the couch? And I was like, what? He's like, can you just, let's just hang out here. Within 30 seconds of being silent, just with myself, I was sobbing. Like the hardest I've cried, maybe top five cries in my whole life. And for me, the joy of the song kind of comes from that. Like if that's the seed that's planted of I can't even sit on a couch by myself. Yeah, just the just the thoughts of just the mean, 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 cruel thoughts. Um, and and getting through that. And you know, I still have my periods of anxiety and depression and, and craving even years later. But I think you know, so much of the joy of the song came from finding people that accept me and helping to show me how to accept myself and even more than accept, to celebrate all the little weird, I never thought I'd have a freaking rainbow painted that I walk through every day. Finding those people and finding within myself the celebration of of me and of looking at my past and saying like, you know, you can look at the past and be like, what, I messed up so much. Like, look at what I messed up, look at what I put my family through, look at what I put my friends through, look what I put myself through. And the other side of that coin is look at how my family was there for me. Look at how my friends were there for me. Look at how I learned to be there for me and grew from all these things. And the times where I quite literally wanted to die, I, I didn't. And now look, like, look at what life is. And and that, to me, it's just kind of an anthem of, like, for it's it's cliche but like it, it does get better <laughs> when you when you really work on when i've worked on myself and really put in work and really open myself up things have gotten better i feel better i feel happier i feel i'm sober and i and i like being sober for the most part
0: <laughs> well it's definitely better than you know the alternative
1: yeah 100%
0: you, you say you've been working hard for so long. You have, you've been a working songwriter for more than a decade now. And you've been, you've released EPs and singles. You're more known for your collaborations than your own. We have, you've had some, some solo success, but you're known for a lot for your collaboration. When I was young is part of your forthcoming debut LP. So why has it taken it this long to make your own debut
1: album? How much time have do you, I got? Do you hate,
0: <laughs> and do you hate that question?
1: <laughs> uh, I don't hate that question. I actually really appreciate that question. I think it's it's actually very um, thoughtful. I I think it's the, it's probably the thing that I resent the most uh, about the past. Uh, like you said, which is so wild. Every time I think of it or say it, like the past ten years, it's always been EP. Mm-hmm. And so when I was when I was In the label system, which I still have a lot of love and respect for, um, even being independent now, it was always EP. And so we'd release a, a single while I'm working on the album and then the single would start doing something. So we're like, okay, we have to put something out. So we put out an EP and then, oh, we'll put out the album later. Never happened. Next deal. Put out a single. Let's work on the on the album. Singles doing well. You're going on tour. We're doing it. It's at radio. Let's go. We got to put out music. Okay. EP. We'll put out the album later. Album doesn't have. And for me, as a lover of, of I love uh, like album artists. I love to yes. dive into a world. It's, like, where it's
0: like the artist, it's like the musician's version of a novel.
1: Totally. Totally. And you get to see the, you know, that weird chapter that, that's not in the, if you read the back of the book, maybe that's the single. You know, like, here's, yeah, here's yeah, the, yeah. the gist.
0: Or the preview um, in Esquire, the chapter they put in Esquire. Totally, totally. <laughs> We're getting, I like, was, real deep the, literature. Yeah, yeah. Yeah,
1: the Reader's Digest. Yeah. And so I, I think it's taken so long because I have never really been set up to, to really make the album. And at the same time, if I put, if I think of what's my role in that, I've never taken it upon myself to really put my foot down and say, I'm making an album no matter what. Um, and I think now, um, with a lot of, of TLC and, and support and pushing from my management, which I'm so thankful for, um, we're putting together this album and it's, it has songs from, Ten years ago, that I wanted on my first album, and it has, you know, a, one song that is so special to me that I wrote as the closer for my first album. I call it the imaginary album. Even within this kind of quarantine, self isolation time, you know, that's that's kind of definitely slowed things down because I don't know how to work all this stuff. I like. They were like, can you do Zoom sessions? And I was like, let me find my computer. Like, it's like somewhere under my couch. (laughs) Let me see if it still works. But um, I really feel so happy. And actually Stint, who wrote and produced um, since I was young with us, is executive producing the album. Um, And he is just so brilliant. And really kind of, we've done quite a bit of work together. We did Flickers together on the last EP I put out. And I feel like, it can be really rare to find a producer that you that you really feel like gets you. And, and that wants to, that does push and pull, but in a place where even if it's a little uncomfortable, you kind of like, I love it. Like he'll, he'll make choices that I wouldn't make. And that is so cool.
0: Yeah. Well, I think that this and I'm, you know, I, I've, who am I? I'm just a podcast host, but I feel like this feels like a hit to me. Like, When I was young, feels like a hit, and if that's any pre, if that's any indication of the rest of the album, I have, you know, I'm I'm excited for you.
1: Thank you very much.
0: You to this point, you've had on the solo side, you've had three or four big songs. I'm counting um, the Afrojack song, even though it's it was a collaboration. I mean, it's it's your song. And I was listening to Eleven Blocks last night, and that's damn near a country song. Like it would not take that much to turn that into, I can picture Luke Bryan or Eric Church or somebody singing that song. You were born in Long Island and you moved to Houston, is that correct, as a kid?
1: Yeah, we moved around, there were about 14 moves in between those, but those Houston was the biggest kind of amount of time.
0: So what, what I'm getting at is, did you have, was country music in your life as a child? as any kind of influence?
1: Honestly, not really. <laughs> not until I think I, I, I didn't really fall in love with country music until I went to Nashville, which was actually very shortly after my 21st birthday. Um, I met a really, I think maybe the best songwriter in the whole world. Uh, her name is Jamie Floyd. Um, we did Resentment together uh, with Maddie Diaz and Kesha. I just fell in love with the the writing that that's coming out of Nashville and and the story that can be told I think sometimes I love pop music but but my it's not my forte my forte isn't like something really simple that everyone's going to be able to get I am always jealous of those writers actually (laughs) and I spent a a lot of the past 10 years kind of being like how do I how do I do that (laughs) and and I really love, you know, some of my favorite artists are like Kate Bush and Paul Simon and Bruce Hornsby. And even within their writing, it's, it's story. It's creating a whole world where from, you turn on a Paul Simon record and it feels like you're watching a movie. Right. And so I love that about country music. And, and I've heard that about 11 blocks before and it always made me so happy because I was like, hmm? I think it's all the, it's the detail and it's the story. Yeah. It's the, there's no metaphor here. No. I'm just telling you what's going on.
0: And that's what I love about your songwriting is that you tell stories, but they're not like old timey ballads. Like you're not doing like the story that Beverly Hillbillies where it's like, this person did this. this. <laughs> it's not like the you know, ballad of Davy Crockett or something. You're like, there's still an ab, there's still abstract imagery mixed in with that. So when you move to Houston and you're growing up, I, I, I watched an older interview so that, that, uh, that you did. I watched uh, an interview you did a few years ago and you talked about how you learned to play piano or you got into piano because you wanted to write songs, like you wanted to be a songwriter. So tell me about those early songs. What kind of stuff were you doing when you were, you know, in high school?
1: Not very good. I, I, I'm so mortified that like my whole high school has like weird self-made CDs with Sharpie where I would write copyright like the C and circle it as yeah. if that like I I went to some workshop and they're like make sure you write copyright on all of your music like it's gonna do anything um, and like anyone would want to steal those ideas <laughs> but I think my first songs were were not that good. Um, the first one that I record, wrote and recorded was called Believe, and it was like, I must believe. <laughs> um, and it was also very sad, which which was interesting. I listened to it not that long ago. I was like, wow, this is actually quite sad. I'm not sure if you're familiar. There's an artist called Aqualung.
0: Yes. Yeah. I was actually going to ask you about Aqualung. I learned about Aqualung from the OC. I watched the oh, OC, yeah. and I was actually wanting to ask you about the OC because that was on about the time that you were in high school. So I was wondering if, if that, if that, if that, if you watched that show, and that show was famous for introducing indie artists to a bigger audience.
1: Totally, I, you know, I didn't actually watch that show until last year, and then I binge watched. But I've bought his CD, which actually. I never really put this together, but I, I bet that it was, I bought it at Borders Books on Westheimer in Houston when I was 15 and a half. And I got a Shipley's Donut right after and listened to it in the parking lot. And I bet it was on display because it had been featured in the show. Yeah. Because I literally bought it because I liked the cover. It was so, it was like this pensive looking British man, you know, wearing like a deconstructed blazer or something. on. On the beach playing a piano and i was like yeah like and it was called strange and beautiful and i was like yeah i know it sounds like fake but i but i i can remember the moment of sitting in the car and putting it in and hearing the first chords and the first lyrics and the first melodies being like this is what i want to do for the rest of my whole life i want to make and i have gotten to work with him since and and become kind of pals and and he describes his music as as sad underwater music, and and I love that. I'm like, what was the point of all that? I digress. But writing think, songs,
0: becoming a songwriter. Back to school. my first yeah. songs,
1: like I think I was trying to kind of recreate that at, at the beginning, and then and then I've started kind of going all over the place, and and I started taking jazz piano in high school, and and I was always halfway there. I would. I would use like was like way TMI, but I would like go do like cocaine and then go to my jazz piano lessons.
0: Just like every, just like everyone else, everyone else did. Just like every other kid, you
1: know, <laughs> like I did a lot of crazy stuff, you know. I but but kind of music has always been the constant threat. I've I've made music sober. I've made music, you know, so messed up I could barely stand. I, I've I've. It's Do you think there's a difference just,
0: between your high music writing and your sober music writing?
1: Yeah, I think one of the biggest things that I'm so 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 glad that I have feel like I've actually finally debunked, um, and along with one of my best friends, uh, Ali Camposi is a is a brilliant songwriter, wildly successful, gifted by the gods, the ancient gods with this this beautiful talent. And She and I used to, we were like Thelma Louise, Thelma and Louise. And I think just talking about, you know, writing when you're high or drunk, uh, we spent a lot of time doing that. And I think you build up this thing like, oh, I can only write if I have, you know, room temperature Patron in my mug. <laughs> and for a long time, I thought that, and, and through getting sober, I found that those songs weren't that good mm. <laughs> and you know it, it wasn't it wasn't really specially inspired. sometimes it was just kind of sloppy and and I've found the best moments now are when when I'm actually it's it's clear and I have clarity, clarity of thought, clarity of feeling, and that's when I'm able to pinpoint you know that what's the point of this song rather than. There is something to like a drunk mumble and you say something that you never would have said, but they're definitely, you know, I've written some crazy songs when I was using that are just not good. And I thought that I'm sending it in to my managers, my publishers, like this is the biggest hit in the world. And they're like, what is this? (laughs) Yeah. It's cool to see that in hindsight.
0: About the same time that, you know, you talked about the, the mid 2000s, that era, Aqualung, there was also, I think about The Fray was also big at that, oh, at that yeah. moment. That so, and you talked about Bruce Hornsby. I, my mom was a big Bruce Hornsby person, loved Steve Winwood and Bruce Hornsby, yeah. uh, both uh, really good piano based songwriters. So who else did you listen to that kind of was in that general area that influenced you?
1: I love the fray so much. And that was definitely a big part of my high school um, kind of music intake. Uh, I love Coldplay.
0: Like para- Parachutes era Coldplay.
1: Yeah, even before, like there's a, um, I don't know if you've heard the Blue Room EP. Was I even not- before. That's- and so there's some like almost work tapey vibes of songs that ended up on that album. But I listen to so much Muse uh, and Keen. Yeah. I miss I miss bands.
0: I was just talking about this like I went on the Billboard Hot 100 last week and you have to go down there was there's a, a new Maroon 5 song out that's like number 40. You have to go all the way down to find a yeah. band, a rock or guitar-based song in the top 40. Right. Do you also feel like, like rock quote unquote rock music is kind of, it's not in the public sphere the way it was 10 or 15 years ago?
1: Totally, totally. And I think there are like, like uh, I was, oh, Gavin Degraw, Gavin Degraw's first yeah. album changed my whole life. Oh my gosh, the breaks in his voice the, He did the whole live album after he did the album. And now it's just like, oh, the like the vocal vulnerability blew my mind there was one voice crack on meaning a song called meaning that I was just I would rewind it rewind it rewind it and listen to that over and over yeah I think I I i hope and th- and think that there's always a space for a song um because also I hope to be writing songs for a very long time and I really only know how to write kind of just songs <laughs> so it's like, I hope it really comes back but I think it is and there's always I think even if it's few and far between, there's always a spot for a song. Um, like that Louis Capaldi song just sat up there for so long and that got me really excited. Right. It's, it's just a beautiful, it's a stunning ballad and it's, there's no bleeps and bloops and I love all the bleeps and bloops. This is no shade, but I think so much music now has become really dark and also very perfect. It just sounds, it was just incredible. And that's an art in and of itself. The fact like producers, I feel like now are like scientists. I mean, <laughs> you listen to something and you're like, how am I hearing that in the top left corner of my
0: yeah.
1: right ear? I didn't yeah. even know I had a top left corner of my right ear. You know, I do miss kind of the, the days of, like, that was the charts. It was like the fray, Gavin DeGraw, like, Maroon 5 that first album. Oh my gosh. It's one of the if I was, you know, in the if you're going to an island for the rest of your life, what do you take with you? I'm taking yeah. that record.
0: And they've like really, I don't that's not going like a huge Maroon 5 rant, but they've really taken their position as the pop rock band and just kind of run with it. Totally. Another another totally. act that's really interesting now is what Ed Sheeran's done that he started out as this acoustic singer-songwriter and now it's very pop very, you know, he's did collaborations with rappers and things like that. It's almost like, it's almost like he's waving the white flag on doing traditional singer songwriter kind of stuff.
1: Right. Like it's okay.
0: (laughs) Everyone likes
1: it. Yeah. I, I I think there's always, always, always going to be space for that. It's so it's what people connect to. Like when you, you hear, when I hear a really cool song, if for me, it's hard for me to, I don't really listen to that much new music. I got Spotify like not even that long ago because my manager was like, you have, you have to have Spotify.
0: You have to keep, you have to keep up <laughs> with things, yeah.
1: You like got it for me for my birthday, but with my credit cards, so it was yeah. kind of confusing. But, you know, the first things that I react to when I'm listening to a song are are really lyric. In a song, like when I first heard that Louis Pauldi song, I was just like, oh my gosh, some of the lines, like the, the I let my guard down and then he pulled the rug. I'm like, oh, I've spent like so much time just being like, how did they do that? That is so cool. That's so good. Like you just, it's the image. Like I just see it and I feel it. Like, oh, I remember when I did that. And those are my favorite songs. Those are the songs that make me want to sit down and write a song and try to write uh, a song that's not freaking good and that's that honest and that's that um, emotional.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That's how I kind of feel about, I one of my favorite songs of all time is John Legend, Ordinary People, because it's, oh, just, it's just piano.
1: That's one of the first songs I learned how to play.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's so good, it's so good. Speaking of playing songs, you are gonna do a little performance, right? Yeah. You're gonna play something for us here What are you going to play?
1: Let's see. I was thinking, let me see if I, shall I have a crack at Since I Was Young?
0: Yes, have you played Since I Was Young as this stripped down piano version yet?
1: Like once. So if I I stop in the middle, it's because we messed up. (laughs) Okay, go for it. Nobody knows what
2: it means You just go and you hope that you grow That's life My whole life philosophy Oh it changes with the tide I was like 16 Smoking a cigarette for the first time Trying so hard to impress some guy some girl, I forget. Twenty nine, I never thought I'd be. Twenty nine, the years just follow me. Some nights I still don't understand it. Now i
0: Beautiful, So good. So good. Thank you. And the video for that is out today. This is the first day for it.
1: Videos out today. Yeah.
0: I released these a week after I record them, but so it's out now. <laughs> it's out now. It's out now. Tell me about the video, which you made obviously during quarantine with Kesha. How did you guys coordinate on how to put that together? And, and how did you decide to uh, the I like the color palette you guys use. So tell me about making that video.
1: Yeah, we, it was kind of a, a brainstorm with management and um, actually her brother Lagan helped us uh, quite a bit with it. And we wanted to do something that felt fun and that felt colorful um, and that had, you know, movement and energy, but it's really kind of difficult.
0: And some Kesha hair whips.
1: A lot of hair whips. I was like scared because I was like, I don't really move around that much. And um, I was really happy with how it turned out. She looks incredible. I love the hair flips. But it was a really cool project to kind of work on and and go back and forth on like, you know, I think we tried to just keep it simple. and And I was so happy with the editing and the kind of final product. Just, I was really nervous to be very honest.
0: It's hard well, to make a video I'm, like that dynamic for the whole three or four minutes of the song.
1: Right, with a ring light in your bedroom. I'm just like, oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. It was very very e boy of you with yeah, the ring light. <laughs> totally.
1: Yeah, so it was but it was really it was a fun kind of project and I think it, it it ended up feeling more just like friends doing a weird project, which actually was good for for me at least, because I get I can get very insecure and, and self-conscious when it comes to like a video or you know whatever it is I'm like am I gonna look weird or stupid or ugly or what's the what is it going to look like and and the final product when I saw it I was like mm, you know what that made me smile so much and I couldn't watch it without kind of moving around a little bit and and I was really happy with it
0: excellent well it's really great and do you have a release date for the LP
1: I'm I'm very sad to say probably 2021. Well, we're gonna still we're rolling out songs though, and um, we're we're finishing some things that are so special to me that that I'm sharing prior to the album. But I just wanna get it, kind of as we discussed. Like it's been a long time coming for me, and I wanna I wanna I'm so so freaking proud of it, and I and I just wanna get it to where I'm like, this is it. If this is the only thing that I, if this is the only one that I put into this world. Um, I wanna be so proud of it.
0: Well, I'm excited for you and I really appreciate you talking to me and good luck moving forward with everything.
1: Yeah, same to you. I really appreciate the time.
0: It's Real with Jordan Edwards is presented by PopDust. Go to popdust.com for the latest in pop culture, music and entertainment. And you can find my photography and video work at jordanedwardsstudio.com or on Instagram at jordanedwardsstudio.